0: Happy birthday, church. Today is a day to stop and pause and remember that God sent his power by his own spirit. And by recognizing that, we recognize the fact that our chains have been set free and that power is unleashed. And the question that I want to ask you is, do you really, do you really want that? Do you want this Pentecostal power that's released this Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about. This event that we're going to talk about this morning actually changed the world. If there's no Pentecost, there is no church, there is no witness, there is no hospitals like St. Luke's or Christian schools or Christian academies. It was the impetus behind the ending of slavery. It, was, it is the impetus behind a prophetic voice for the sanctity of life, both in the tomb and at the end of life. And it is the power that we have that there is life after life after death there's no assistance in any battling of any ongoing sins that we have there was a song that i I grew up um singing uh as a as a young man and it went like this we are the church we're the body of the lord we are all god's children and we've been restored the church is not a building where people go to pray it's not made out of sticks and stones it's not made out of clay we're the church Body of the Lord. We skip down. This is the part. We're the church. The church is not a business. It's not a committee or a board. It's not a corporation for the business of the Lord. We're the church. We are the church, the body of the Lord. We're God's children, and man, have we been restored. The church, it's the people living out their lives. They've been called, enlightened, sanctified for the work of Jesus Christ. We're the church, the body of the Lord. We're God's children, and we have been restored. So the question that I want to ask you this morning at the very beginning is, do you really want the Pentecostal fire to come and burn up spiritual laziness or uncomfortable indifferences that pertain to the kingdom and instead be replaced with an actual zeal for the Lord's cause? Do you really want the Pentecostal power to be unleashed? And when this Pentecostal power is unleashed, it, it it moves the church and individuals to a burning mission which disturbs normal rhythms and customs we have and become accustomed to and it affects every area of our life from our smartphone and our debit cards to our thought life and our downtime so my question is simply this do you really want pentecostal power to come because when pentecostal power is loosed it means power is unleashed do you want that kind of power to come and knock you down so that you spend more time on your knees and find yourself drawn to fasting and prayer? And that you can't help but witness what Jesus has done for you? Do you want that Pentecostal power unleashed in your life? And do you want this kind of power to overcome sinful habits, oftentimes standing alone in your family or at work with heartaches, to be faithful? Do you want this Pentecostal power? Well, yes. Yes, you do. Because you're not alone. The king of heaven wants to freely give you his Holy Spirit every day and every hour. I love the song that says, Lord, I need you. Oh, how I really do need you. Every hour, how about every minute, I need you. You're my one defense. You're in my incredible righteousness. God, how I need you. So you personally may not like this Pentecostal power because it will affect both your flesh and mine, it affects your rights and my rights, your opinions, my opinions, your actions, my actions, habits, money, words, actions, plans, relationships. They're all shaped by the Holy Spirit. And praise God that happened because we're the church. Now, in Acts chapter 2, that spirit comes. That spirit is called the coming of Pentecost. And so it's not just Bethesda, but really this... Day is being celebrated literally around the world and in all kinds of different flavors and sizes of churches. And so what happened? This is what happened, reading in Jesus' name. Acts chapter two, verse one. Did you find it there? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like a <sighs> blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parinthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring their wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, and they said they had too much wine. Let's pray together. Worthy Lamb of God, you are already gathering worshipers to yourself from every people and language. They will honor you with redeemed glories of their cultures. So even now as we hear and sing that final song, as never before in history, make yourself known in the storytelling praise of your people. Be honored as you reveal the greatness of your works. Be glorified even among those who oppose you because of the majestic beauty of the goodness of your ways. We respect and praise for the governors and rulers of our countries of earth but we honor you as God's anointed king over all kingdoms. You rule as a king. You speak truly as a king because you are truth. And you act with perfect justice because your righteousness itself. So we pray, may your kingdom come. And risen Lord Jesus, we honor you as our king. Father Almighty, we receive the full gift of your spirit and spirit of the living God. We delight in the fullness of your love and power. Your precious spirit renew and empower us to work alongside our Lord Jesus. We love to glorify our Lord Jesus by our worship and our witness. And we have been filled with the spirit so the earth will be filled with your glory. We love you, Lord. Come be with us now. In Christ's name, amen. We're gonna look at this simple theme called Pentecost Loosed means power unleashed and we're going to take a look at just three simple points to help us understand Pentecost and what took place and at the end I want to share with you uh, a number of takeaways that have helped me understand Pentecost personally but if you want to know the work of the Holy Spirit it's summarized best in just this simple illustration this is the work of the Holy Spirit He does this. Can you see Jesus clearly? Can you see him? Can you see what he's done? Can you see his glory? Can you see the hope that you have? So in the midst of this message, if stuff starts to make sense, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. If the Bible makes sense, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, first thing I want to share with you is um, is just this what can we anticipate the Pentecostal power has a history of anticipation and promise the word Pentecost simply is a Greek term that is a Greek word that simply means 50 and and the 50 is is then translated in the Old Testament to be Shavat. and here's why it matters God met his people in Exodus chapter 34 and when God met his people for the very first time on Mount Sinai, he gave them the law on Mount Sinai. And it was his way of saying, I'm making a covenant with you, renewing the covenant he gave to Abraham. I will be your God. You will be my people. Here is my law. Here's how I want to, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow these and follow me. And this is a gift. People would recognize that and be aware of that. And as they followed the Lord and they wanted to honor him. God gave them different festivals and feasts. One of them was the Passover. They had just left Egypt, and they had painted blood over the doors of their house so that the death angel would come. Fifty days later, they were at Mount Sinai, and God was giving them the law. He would later go on to say that there are three feasts, that everyone should go to Jerusalem. That's why there were so many people there. One was Passover. One was the Festival of the Booths. And this was the third one the festival of feasts in fact the Jews call it the festival of the first fruits the festivals of joy it actually was an agricultural uh, festival I wanted to wear a John Deere hat because I thought that that would work but the festival actually started first with barley and then it ended with wheat and it was a time of recognizing that God provides he's faithful to his word he loves his people and he has a covenant with them. But then Jeremiah steps on the scene. Jeremiah 34, which God says, I will make you a brand new covenant. I will make a new covenant, in fact, new wineskins. In fact, my people will be first fruits. And so Pentecostal power comes with not only just a rich history of pointing us to God's provision, his faithfulness, his covenant, that he desires to be with our people, But it also comes with a powerful promise. And the powerful promise is this. You and I are first fruits. Romans chapter 8.23 says this. Who not only so, but we ourselves are the first fruits of the Spirit. And we groan eagerly as we wait for the adoption of our sonship or our daughtership, the redemption of our bodies. So this comes with just this rich history that there's something behind this that God wants to move in his people and call them again and again. The book of Ephesians, Paul will later write in the book of Ephesians that in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, that when you are included with Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believe you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. That's why we say, that's why I say at the benediction, you are sealed like a ring and said you belong to me you belong to me it's rooted in this beautiful festival so Pentecost has a rich background of what God will do and what he was pointing to his spirit poured out on his people now one of the loves that I have is that of history and i also like church history as well too i teach a church history class a small bible college outside calgary alberta done it for about a decade and as i've studied church history uh, i become aware of just different heroes and like i'll meet women and men and go man those are really cool people and they 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 love christ and in the church here in the united states at least there have been three really powerful movements four if you want to count the jesus the jesus movement as number four but the first Great Awakening was with, George Witt, was with Jonathan Edwards. Then there was the second Great Awakening, and then a third Great Awakening. It wasn't called a Great Awakening. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. It happened in 1906 in Los Angeles, and it was multi-ethnic, it was egalitarian, and it was powerfully moved. And God birthed from the Azusa Street Revival this beautiful denomination called the Assemblies of God, And the Holiness Movement and Pentecostal, the Pentecostal Movement, that's where it was birthed in 1906 from Azusa in Los Angeles. Now, I had always heard that, and and when I heard this, uh, you know, the emphasis was on the gift of tongues, it was on the uh, the prophecies, it was on miracles. But as I dug into it and as I got ready for this message, I came across a quote from one of the founders of the Azusa Street Revival. And I, and I realized he absolutely nails it. This comes from Pastor Philip W. Seymour. He's the son of an emancipated slave parents from Louisiana, the second of eight boys. And so, of course, I'm thinking she had a milk bill. You know what I mean? That's a lot of mouths to fill. But this is what he said. He said, the Pentecostal power, when you sum it all up, is just more of God's love. He goes on to say, if it doesn't bring more love, it's simply a counterfeit. That's it. When the Pentecostal power, it's simply more love. And if it's not, it's more, it's just a counterfeit. And so this week, as I was thinking about how, I thought, man, this guy just nailed it. I thought, now wait a second. That's what the Apostle Paul does. That's what the Apostle Paul, in a sense, says. He he writes a letter to a church called Corinth. And he lays out what are the spiritual gifts he lays them out in chapter 12 and in chapter 14 and you know what's in the middle and if you're thinking looking at me like I think this is a trick question it would be 13 yes that's right it's 13 but in the midst of 13 13 is the chapter that people read at weddings all the time it's the love chapter And smack dab in the middle of the love chapter is what Pastor Seymour was trying to get at, kind of shaking us and saying, gang, don't miss this. This is what Paul writes. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that cannot move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. And that's translated, (laughs) I'm nothing. pan power then comes with both anticipation and it comes with promise here's the second thing in Acts chapter 2 we see that this Pentecostal power unleashes like a breath and has the effect of fire look at what it said in verse 2 a sound like the blowing of a violent wind the word violent there is only used one time in the New Testament right here You can also translate it terrible or, as it says here, violent, like it came in. Like, what's the point on that? Here's what I'm learning about God the Father. He is both infinite and he is intimate. He is both terrifying and he is tender. And Jesus clued us in on that. He said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father in heaven, holy and sacred is your name. That means set apart, there's no one like you. And if you say, is it either or, it's both and. And so this breath comes in, this breath, that's translated in the Old Testament, the the way that the Holy Spirit is seen in the Old Testament is through a word that means, that goes like this, it's this word, it's ruach, ruach, and it means wind, it means breath, and it means spirit, altogether if there's ambiguity there yup and you see it right away in Genesis chapter 1 2 now the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the earth and the spirit the Ruach of God was hovering over the surface of the winds of the waters Genesis 8 1 after the Noah flood the spirit dried up the waters after the flood you see it in the locusts have you been? bitten by uh, fleas and bugs this weekend? Can I just get a oofta, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Think about when the Spirit of God sends in a plague of locusts. Same word. This word is used by King David in Psalm 51. Do not take your ruach, your Holy Spirit, from me. And finally, in Ezekiel chapter 37, that the prophet Ezekiel talks about ezekiel's dry bones god breathes his spirit and he still does so the pentecostal power both unleashes the breath and the fire and the effect of fire exodus chapter 40 verses 35 through 38 gives us a a hint of this in all the travels it's a historical account in all the travels of israelites whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle this traveling tent, where God's present was, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all Israelites during all travels. Now you might hear that and go, okay, that's a one and done deal, right? No. If you get to the book of Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law Listen to these verses, and I've listed them here for you to follow. In Deuteronomy, here they are. Listen. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. Verse 15. You saw no form of any kind of the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the fire. Verse 33. Has any other person heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have lived? Finally, verse 36. From the heaven he made you hear his voice in discipline to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words from out of the fire. Okay, I heard you say he speaks out of the fire. How does this make sense? I am so glad you asked. As God spoke in the Old Testament, now he speaks in the New Testament. And now there's a shift in focus there's a shift in focus instead of division it is now being multiplied and people are being unified under this statement christ has risen from the dead look what it said in verse verse 8 of acts chapter acts chapter 2 it says this now as they were staying god-fearing jews from every nation under heaven we're there and then beginning in verse 8 beginning in verse 8 it lists 16 different people groups there is not a there is a unifying proclamation that christ is lord that the gospel will go forward in every tongue in every tribe in every nation in every people group and it starts here now it's happy birthday so let's have some practice okay let's just have some practice people heard it in their own tongues what was that like? Maybe something like this. So they heard this word, welcome. And in Chadian Arabic, that's fadalo. Say that back to me. One, two, three. Ready? Fadalo. Okay? In Spanish, it's carino. Ready? One, two, three. Carino. In Chinese, it's hao ying. Say that. Hao ying. They heard this in their own language. You're really good. Practice too. Ready? This one, it means you, oops. This one means you are loved. In Chadian Arabic, it's inte mabab. Ready? Say that with me. Ready? Inte mabab. In Spanish, it's eres amado, eres amado, and in Chinese, it's ni bei ai li, ni bei ai li. And people heard it in their tongues, just like you said it, and they said, "What is going on?" This is what's going on. Peter says very clearly in verse 17 he says in the last days god says i'll pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams this is what pastor brian read at our call for our call to worship peter said you're living in the last days and before you think oh that was just peter no, no 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 time out friend This theme of last days is seen throughout the New Testament. It's seen in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul writes to a church in Thessalonica. It's seen in the beautiful sermon in Hebrews chapter 1, last days. And then Jesus' little brother who writes the book of James in James chapter 5. He talks about the last days. So what does it mean? It means this. That Christ himself... Christ himself has paid the penalty that slaves would be released, that he has fulfilled all the demands, all the requirements, all what was designed to walk in obedience. He's fulfilled them all. No one's good enough on their own to say I'll take my chances in front of a holy God. And Christ doesn't just lay down more rules he completes all the requirements and the way christ not only shows the way he is the way and the cross is god's extension to us it's not us trying to get to god it's god coming to us and so these are the last days that people need to hear the message and the power of the cross But it gets really good this is the pentecostal power that just strengthens my heart pentecostal power means not just the last day but the curse is unloosed the unloosed gift of the spirit to all who repent and believe in acts chapter 2 verses 22 through 24 if you've got your bibles you can still turn there there's a great translation i'm going to read it i'll read it first in the niv but then i'm going to switch to the esv Peter is preaching here. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man, we're talking about Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, you put him into death, been kneeling him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead And here's the ESV, they just nail it. God raised him from the dead, loosening the pains of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You can't keep this man dead. Some men don't stay dead, he didn't. And he loosened the power of chain, of the chain of sin. Now you could look back and go, okay, so they all spoke in different languages. Is the, is the Babel curse in Genesis 11, is the curse reversed? Oh no, the curse is overcome. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. Because Christ has now given us his mercy and his grace and his spirit in us to act in ways that aren't normal. Act in ways that are supernatural. And man, does our world desperately need that. So just track with me before you click off or say I'm done. Just track with me for a second. I said this in the fall, and some people got really mad. Most people in America look at Christians like us and define us by how we vote, by not how we love. And they'll know we are Christians by how we vote, by how we vote just this week i i came across an article that most it it may not be your particular generation but a younger generation if you're going to define a christian they see a christian not as one who serves and loves and walks in humility but they're defined by westboro baptist a very out there angry representation of christ is that what the pentecostal power is about Well, let me wrestle, have you wrestle with something that has just been kind of a game changer. Many of us have enjoyed The Chosen. How many of you have seen The Chosen? There's going to be a new episode tonight, just saying at 8 o'clock, grab your popcorn. That's where I'm going to be. And so as as I've watched The Chosen, it's introduced me to some character dynamics that had to be there. Matthew was a tax collector. He gouged people, his own people, including Peter. Now, how much interaction they had? They took artistic license. But they're sitting around the table of Jesus. One, a tax gouger impacting small businesses like Peter's. And they're at the table. And do you think there was some discussion? Well, when Jesus is at the table, conversations are probably going to change. Think about this. Think about the Jewish zealots Simon the Zealot, he was also a disciple. And he was a man who was quick to draw his sword. He had a license to carry. And and sitting at the table was also a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier who killed Jewish people. They're at the same table. They're at the same table with Jesus. And you could go on and on. You could talk about Joseph of Arimathea, the guy who was a jewish council member and stepped up and allowed wanted jesus's body gave jesus's body a physical place to bury rule follower pious jew the bible tells us god-fearing man and he's at the same table with mary magdalene the seven demon recovery lady you think she broke a thing or two they're all at the same table. We're not even gonna get into the slave and the free. Or what about the Greeks who, fo- who became Jesus followers? Greeks who came from polytheism, which means they had all kinds of weird religious background habits that they came from. Creepy and weird and immoral. And they're at the same table as Jewish followers of Christ who are monotheistic. And there is only one God. But they're learning about the Messiah. This is what God has always done. He's always unified people. It's not a reverse of the curse, friends. It's a beautiful diversity that God is going to reach the nations through his Holy Spirit and through you. We gather as a church to worship, to hear the word of God, we gather, but now we scatter. And you're going to reach people that I'll never reach. You're going to have gospel conversations that they would never talk to a pastor about. And it could be done at a, over a coffee break room. It could be done at a Taco Bell. And you might fumble and bumble, and, but you're going to bear witness to the cross and to who Christ is. Now, we always, we always do this at the end of our message We ask just two simple questions what's god's word saying and what's he asking you to do about it so here's the question acts chapter 2 says this in verse 12 it says they were amazed and perplexed by what they had seen what in this account makes you go whoa that's incredible Breath of the Spirit? The tongues of fire? The sixteen different people that heard the words, You're welcome! You're welcome here! You are loved here! In their own words. Man! What amazes you, what perplexes you? And second secondly, what encourages your soul more? That the curse has been lifted? or you're no longer in exile, or we're living in the last days. And watch and see what God will do. Which one encourages you more? I think that's a coin flip. I'll say both. The curse is lifted. Christ has paid the penalty for my sins and nailed them on the cross. So let me, before we sing our last song, let me just encourage you. Let me just uh, strengthen your heart with something that strengthened mine. One of the great classic Christian literature books is The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Powerful story. Most, many of us know this story just maybe briefly. It's about Christian who grew up in the city of destruction, and he comes across the scroll, which is the Scriptures. And as he reads the scroll in this story christian realizes that he has to leave the city of destruction and go and as the more he reads the the, what he's done weighs on him like a sack and soon he's bent over with this weight of guilt and sin and recognition on how he's violated the things of god and there's the beautiful scene where christian walks up the hill and as he's looking at the cross this this weight comes off Christian and it rolls down the hill and it lands in an empty tomb. At that point, he's given new garments and he continues on his journey. He goes to a, a place of peace and rest and there he meets four different messengers of God and one of them is called Prudence. And Prudence asks Christian how he can continue on through entanglements and through discouragement i thought that's pretty practical do you not find that at sometimes it's those things that have been subdued but at other times they're your greatest entanglement in other words don't you wrestle with sin and doubt and despair when you leave this place he says yes said christian but the former is seldom the case the hours when i free are feel free are like gold to me Prudence, the messenger says, Can you remember how at times those agitated thoughts seem to be conquered? And Christian says four things. He says, Yes, when I remember what I saw at the cross, that will do it for me. And when I gaze, the embroidered coat of who I am, that will do it for me. And when I read the scroll, and I I carry it close to my heart, that will do it for me. And when I meditate about where I'm going, that will do it for me. Listen to those four. That is what the Spirit of God equips, empowers, and fills you with, reminds you of the cross of Christ, reminds you of what he has done, reminds you of who you are, A daughter of the king, that's your first identity. A son of the king, that's your first identity. And then the the Spirit of God, when we read God's word and it becomes alive and living, that's what the Spirit does. And then the Spirit whispers to you and says, Child, you're not home yet. There is life. After life. After death. And what awaits us is great joy. Unspeakable. Anything that you enjoy is going to be a hundred gazillion times cooler and better in heaven. Quote me. If I'm wrong, I owe you a pizza. When we get to heaven. This is what awaits us. So now, we gather, and now you're scattered. Now you go out, filled with the Spirit of God as you say, Lord, you've got to help me. I need you every hour and every minute. And he doesn't get tired of that prayer. He does not get tired of that prayer. This is Pentecost. Happy birthday, church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can gather. We recognize that there's people that are gathered all around the world in really big churches and some house churches and some underground churches and some with huts. But the name of Jesus is being lifted up around the world because of this event. And we get to be a part of it. So we just humbly say, I'm, you're, you're the potter, and we're simply clay. Receive, receive our praise and worship to you, our adoration, our confession. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this last song.